Hi there. It's me, Laura Wasser, the divorce attorney and the founder of It's Over Easy, the online divorce service. I've been practicing family law for over 20 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces, shepherding people through what may be one of the most terrifying times in their lives. Along the way, I often have to remind people to lower their expectations. When dealing with matters of the heart, rules simply don't apply because all's fair in love and war. So welcome to the All's Fair podcast. Fasten your seatbelts and let's go. Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Wasser. My name is Johnny Rains. And when Laura and I created this podcast, one of the things we intended to do is to bring you content that's focused on navigating relationships and on next chapters. And then this pandemic happened and we realized navigating relationships in quarantine takes the idea of all's fair and love and war to a whole new level. So I read this really interesting article that I sent to you, Johnny. It's called I'm Quarantined with My Ex-Boyfriend During Coronavirus. It's by Ashley Britton and it was on Stylecaster and it's about this couple that had just rented an apartment together in New York. Right. And then she found out that he fucking cheated on her. So she basically was like, I'm out. And then because they couldn't afford to live in two different places, there was nowhere else to be. She had to be in. And so they're living together now during quarantine. Crazy. I thought it was really interesting because they're in such close quarters while they're kind of getting over each other. And it's very yes. well written in that she's obviously probably wise beyond her years. She's done what I so wish so many of my family law clients would do, which is realize like, this is the hand we've been dealt. Let's figure out how to do it. I mean, she says in it, like she still gets up and gets dressed every day so that not only does she like have a <laughs> sense of purpose, but that he still realizes that she's hot. But also right, like, right. even if they're hanging out, I mean, they do, they hang out. They don't they're not being intimate, according to the article, and they're not like getting drunk and weeping over each other, but they're hanging out and no. they're friends. And she's taken away from this. Like, this is this is why I was in this relationship with this person. I love him. I, I enjoy him. He has something to offer. At the same time, he's not the right person for me to be romantically involved with, yet here we are. And so to so many of the clients at my firm and the users of It's Over Easy, whether you're in the middle of separating or and you're stuck together or you've already been apart and you're sharing custody, let's really remember this is the hand we've been dealt. We are all dealing with this. This pandemic isn't just happening to you. It's happening to everybody in the world. And let's figure out the best way to kind of get through what we're getting through without being negative, without being ugly, without being petty, because most likely that person's still going to be there, whether it's in the apartment, you know, next to you or out there doing a custody exchange with you tomorrow. And when this is all over, they're still going to be there. Now, again, maybe, maybe Ashley and her ex will part ways and never see each other again. But she even says in the article, but maybe we will. Maybe we'll just end up being good friends and we'll always remember this time period and, and you know, and what we went through together. How could you forget now more than ever, it feels like the future is unpredictable, but I guess there's always tomorrow. So no point in worrying about tomorrow today, is there? Okay, Sarah, Sarah. But we are in luck because today's guest is someone the New York Times says is eerily good at predicting the future. She's a rock and roller, singer, guitarist, and songwriter for the indie duo Best Coast, who just released their new album, Always Tomorrow. And by the way, they're also the ones who wrote, produced, and performed the All's Fair theme song, Heaven Sent from their album, California Nights. Welcome to All's Fair, Bethany Cosentino. 
Thank you. Hi. Hi there. We are very psyched to have you here. Let's talk a little bit about, I mean, you're an LA girl like me. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Born and raised. And so, and you used to be an actor as well? I was like a commercial, I did commercials as a kid. So I get sort of like pinned as this child actress, but I was in like, you know, a five commercials. So I'm like, I don't know if you could really consider that. What product? What product? I did a... A Little Caesars pizza commercial, okay. Um, a Pepsi commercial, a toy store commercial that was like only in the Midwest, and then those are the only three that I really remember. Okay. So oh, and then I was like a background actress in um, Grumpier Old Men. So you're totally a child star. <laughs> oh my yeah, god, that's a child actress. <laughs> I can't believe imp- it. Impressive <laughs> resume. I guess saying out out loud, I'm like, oh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get to did you get to say pizza pizza? So the commercial on your little Caesar commercial? I didn't get to say it, but the commercial that I was in was like a pretty popular commercial in the 90s. There was like a poodle. We were all doing a conga line in the living room. It's on YouTube. I can send it to you guys if you want to see it. Please, please send it. I will. Yes. Okay, then I have I have a question. What is a drone group? What was Pocahontas? What's I don't know what a drone group is. So Pocahontas was a band that I was in in like the early 2000s and it was basically like a style of music in which we just sort of played a lot of noise and then sang to it. So that's kind of like what drone is, is it's just sort of like weird sounds. Got it. Okay. <laughs> there was no like definable like chorus, verse, hooks. Like it's just kind of a messy collage of sound, I suppose. Okay. And you've been writing music for a really long time, and you're inspired by some of the greats, Joni Mitchell, Joan Baez, Bob Dylan, and then, of course, two of my favorites, Weezer and Blink. Um, <laughs> and don't forget the Go-Go's. The Go-Go's. Yes. Yes. So when you started uploading your music to MySpace, which back in the day was the way a lot of people kind of got discovered, what, what's Sharia? Is that your... Oh, that's my middle name. That's, and okay. that, yeah, that was like a... That was kind of like a when I was younger, I did sort of like a singer-songwriter, like folk kind of style of right. music. And that was that. Got it. And then you were Does it have does it mean something? Sure. It's, it's my it's my middle name, but it's named uh it's the name of an Amy Grant song. My parents were like really into Amy Grant, and so they named me that my my real my name originally was going to be Asia because my parents are also big Steely Dan fans. So they wanted to name me after Asia. But then they felt like like Bethany just sort of came and they were like, this is a better name, which I'm kind of glad I'm, my name isn't Asia Cosentino because that would be like Asia Sharia <laughs> Cosentino is like a really intense name. <laughs> it is. Okay. And so how long have you known Bob? Um, I met Bob when I was... By the way, guys, Bob is her partner in Best Coast. Yes, Bob is my collaborative partner. And we met when I was about 17, and I'm 33 now. So we've known each other for like a very large part of my, you know, my like formative years. And did Um, you collaborate with him before you guys formed Best Coast? Yeah, so Bob was involved in production stuff and also played with me in the drone band that I was in Pocahontas Uh and we just had a lot of we had like a lot of mutual friends sort of like in an LA DIY music scene okay 
It's, it's really funny to be podcasting in this way during yeah. quarantine, by the way. I mean, we're, we're let's not ignore the elephant in the room. <laughs> sure, let's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really funny. I was doing something, I was doing like a Zoom interview the other day, and I just was like, you know, like from the top up, I'm like in a regular t-shirt. From the bottom down, I'm just full sweatpants, uh-huh. my, my Ugg slippers on. I'm just like... Here we are. This yeah. is what we're doing now. Well, but, in, in my other life, I'm a lawyer, and we've actually been having like telephonic and Zoom hearings. Yeah. So, like, I actually like got all dressed in my little lawyer outfit, but obviously also only from the waist up. Then I'm in like sweats <laughs> and Uggs, and we tune in, and there's my judicial officer. He's like at his kitchen table in a soccer jersey, and I'm like, dude. And he goes, well, I have a robe. I guess I could put it on. I'm like, don't worry. Let's just let's just do this thing. I mean, it was so it's, it's so weird. Casual Fridays all the time now. Yes, and I'm trying to appeal to him about like my client not having a drug test and being able to get his kid <laughs> at the sheriff's station after three days. And it's just and he's like sitting there like with you know like this look on his face, and I can see the wife coming in the kitchen, getting in the fridge, getting something out <laughs> behind him, and I'm like, this is totally surreal. Yeah. Our new normal. All yeah. right. So you formed Best Coast in 2009 and your rise, which the first single boyfriend from Crazy For You. So you guys, you guys, you and Bob played with the Go-Go's and Paramore touring. Yeah. Yes. We've done, uh-huh, we've done a lot of support tours with really cool bands. Like we toured with Green Day. We toured with the Pixies. We toured with Go-Go's, Paramore. Um, we've, it's so amazing that you played for those bands. Like, I'm an alt girl, so those are like my bands. And that the only one Johnny was able to kind of pull and put in the thing was <laughs> the Go-Go's. Who, I, <laughs> mad love for the Go-Go's, I, but still, like, yes. I don't know, call me crazy, <laughs> but Blink-182, you know, I just... Sorry, Johnny. In any event. But that's that's actually how I fell in love with Best Coast was I saw you guys at the uh, 2016 Go-Go show. I think it was at the Greek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you guys rocked it oh, so much. And you. that's like how I found you. So you're forever connected uh, with the Go-Go's oh, in my brain. Oh, I love brain. that. I love that. They're such a good band. So then let's talk a little bit about um, kind of where you are now. You guys just dropped your new album in February and you were going to be touring it. But as of right now, that's obviously on hold. Well, so we, yeah, the album came out at the end of February and then we started tour and we were out on tour for about two weeks. We were in Chicago was our last show and it was like a sold out show, but it was very empty still. And we were kind of like, okay, a lot of the shows were like they were selling very well but there weren't a ton of people at them and I was like I guess people are really afraid to go out and sort of leave their houses and and we were just you know going through city to city and then after the Chicago show we sort of like our DC show got canceled our New York show got canceled and we were like okay we're gonna have to probably go home and then like the next day it was basically like shelter in place took place pretty much everywhere right so yeah now we like we've rescheduled stuff for in the, for the fall um like late September October we're going to finish up the dates that we had to cancel and then we have like a UK tour plan that we're probably going to have to reschedule it's just a whole like yeah uncertainty I, is just all over the place i have a lot of touring musicians as clients and they are just i mean not only are they freaking out just generally and not being able to like do their thing but they've got support obligations which yeah. that money comes from touring you know these totally. days you're not like making a ton off of royalties it's really the yeah. touring so i feel your pain i'm glad you're doing this i'm glad we're getting you out there you're doing some other stuff 
remotely too for fans that actually want to hear the music. Is that true? Yeah, I've been doing some like, I've been playing some stuff online and I started a like a weekly radio show called Beth Line where I'm basically like doing a live thing and then I have a call line and you can call in and ask me questions. And um, I got to be totally honest with you, like I haven't felt wildly inspired to like pick up the guitar and sit in front of my phone and just be like, hey guys, and like play a bunch of songs. And I think it's like, I think something that's really important to share with people is that if you're not, if you are a creative person, if you are an artist, or even if you're not, like if you're just not feeling wildly inspired or motivated right now, that's okay. Like this isn't, I saw something recently that was like, this is not a creative retreat. It's a pandemic. And I'm like, I literally had to write that down and remind myself of that every day because it's like, I'm sorry, I'm not Shakespeare. Like I can't write, I can't like write through tragedy, this like crazy thing. I just don't feel fully inspired right now. So I've been trying to stay engaged with the fans. Just starting the radio show. I go on Instagram live every once in a while and answer questions and stuff like that. I have sat down and like played some songs. I did a Bruce Springsteen cover and posted it to Instagram. But I'm just trying to take it like a day at a time and just see what feels right that day. I, look, I totally respect that. I think it's true. I think we're all so driven in our daily lives. Then this has come to a screeching halt. And now we're trying to find other ways to kind of fit that, I don't know, ambition. Or And we do. Everybody just needs to chill for a minute and reset. Yeah. And who knows what will come if you're not pushing yourself. You've yeah. been sober for how long now? For uh, two and a half years. So what do you think, how would you be experiencing this, probably just like I am actually, if you weren't sober, <laughs> as she raises her tequila glass? No, but I mean, like, I, I know I, all, the, all the Instagram posts, all the things I'm reading, everybody's saying it's all about drinking and how much we're drinking and the quarantini and all of that stuff. And I have been speaking so much to people who are sober people and they're like, hey, good for all of you drunks, but I, yeah, you know, I, that doesn't work for me right now. So how do... I deal with my anxiety and calm down and whatever else. You guys will come out of this way less fat than the rest of us. So there's that. (laughs) There is that. I mean, for me, it was like I had a realization two and a half years ago that I had a real problem with drinking and I just needed to make the decision to not do it anymore. And it was, it also coincided so much with like my anxiety and my depression because like alcohol is, is a downer. It's people think it's this thing that makes you all like jolly and jovial. And for some people it does, but for me, it was just, you know, it was like every night ended with like tears for no reason. And so right now I'm so grateful to be sober because if I wasn't, I would just be downing like all my wine and like mixing it with my anxiety pills and watching Bravo. And like that used to be what I did for self-care. I read about the Bravo. You like the Bravo. (laughs) I mean, this is, you're not like a Netflix gal. It's just, and is it, I mean, is it the reality stuff that's just not your reality that you like to kind of tune into? I love it. It just takes me out of my head when I can like watch Real Housewives of New York screaming at each other and fighting over the dumbest (laughs) shit. I just, I'm like, oh yeah, life isn't, my life doesn't look like this. And I'm okay. It doesn't. Yeah. You know, so, but in terms of like the sobriety thing and just the dealing with anxiety stuff, like, like I was saying before, it's like, I've just been trying to take it a day at a time. And I've been, you know, there's some days where I'm like really productive and I've exercised or I've gone out in the yard and cleaned, or I've like done, I bought a house like a couple of like in September of last year. And there are some little projects I've needed to do around the house that I've been working on. And 
stuff like that. Um, walking my dog. I've been doing a lot of like FaceTime and talking to friends and stuff, but I don't know, just trying to like get out of myself as much as I can. Cause I think when you're just really deep in self is when your anxiety is just like, Oh, here we are yeah. like swirling in front of the head. Is this your first house? No, this is my, uh, this is my fourth house. Oh, okay. What, I've, what, I've, I, what? And one of them was Jane Weedland's house. It's true. Oh. I did. I bought Jane's house from the Go-Go's and then went on tour with her like a couple months later. It was amazing. It was the craziest like, vil- like Spanish style villa in the hills of Burbank that I like ridiculously thought like, oh, I can afford this house. And I was able to afford it. <laughs> like when I purchased it, but then living there, I was like, I'm an indie musician. What the fuck am I doing? Like, I'm not, I don't have the money. My business manager looked at me when I told him I was going to buy it. And he was like, are you sure about this? I was like, whatever. Like, you know, it's fine. And then like, like a year later, I was like, I'm selling this house. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you got into the it's, real estate market. It's true though. I mean, I've been, I've been really lucky. I'm also like really, really, really like frugal. Like I am super, super, I'm a budget person. Like. I literally go to one of my, the saddest things about this thing for me is that I can't go to my favorite store in the world, which is Home Goods. I love Home Goods. <laughs> I'm like a budget girl. I've I grew up my parent my family like didn't have money growing up. I'm an only child. Like I was taught very much to like save your money, spend wisely, and I think that's what's allowed me to be able to like to be an indie artist that's been able to purchase multiple homes and to be able to like live in a situation where um I'm pretty okay if I don't if I can't tour for a while and I'm really lucky because there aren't a lot of people like me in this scene that that are able to sort of like live the same way so my my advice to people is just be like me and spend like be hella Mm. frugal (laughs) and go to home goods (laughs) go to home goods go to home goods you and Laura kind of have that depression era uh, mentality when it comes yeah. to money and, and I frugality. wasn't an only child and I didn't grow up with no money. I don't I just am waiting for the world to end. <laughs> I've been waiting for this pandemic for, for 50 years. I it's finally coming. Um so okay, so your new album cuz I I don't know how much you know about our podcast, but Johnny and I talk a lot about new chapters and new beginnings and turning mm-hmm. the page. This really feels, from what I'm reading about, like a new chapter for you. Like really, I think somebody called it, was it the New York Times? That it's about, you know, coming out of the out of the ashes into the light or something like yeah. that. Is that yeah. how you feel about it? Oh, leaving the darkness for the light is what it says. It's all about burning it all down and starting from scratch, even when the idea of that is fucking terrifying, which of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah, this is this album for me is very much the story of sort of a transformation and a really long journey that I had to go through to get to a place where I am able to sort of live in. It's so funny because the the theme of the album is is honestly like this idea of acceptance. And it's about sort of like being able to walk through life knowing that you can't control so much of what is in front of you. And then flash forward to like a month and a half later, this is happening. And I'm like, I literally- So prophetic. Yeah, I'm like, I literally just wrote an album about this exact, obviously not about the pandemic, but about this exact idea of like striving towards reaching this goal of like being able to live your life with acceptance, with this concept of surrender, to be able to just sort of like turn things over and hand them over and be like, okay, this isn't really for me to freak out about because up until, up until about three years ago, I was really living my life so much of just like 
worry. I would wake up in the morning and stare at the ceiling and be like, oh my God, like what is life? It was just an existential breakdown every single day. And now I very much exist in this place where it's like, I don't stress so much about things that I can't control. But then coronavirus happened and it was like, oh, now I stress about everything. But so thank- like back to But the thankfully challenge. you learned those tools so of that course. you're dealing with it better. T- tell us about your tattoos. Oh, I have t- lots. I have Well, tell us about the ones that are on the one side that are the old the, the old Bethany oh, and the other okay. side that are the new Bethany. So, this is actually really funny. On this finger, I have trust no one tattooed. Right. right. And then on this hand, and then on this hand I have let it go on my fingers and then surrender on my hand. So, it's like it's such a perfect example of like where I used to be, which was literally tattooing trust no one next to my ring finger by the way, which was like I'm also a Scorpio, so I have trust issues to begin with. Um, When's so your like birthday? That, November 3rd. Okay. Um, so it's like that side, and then it's this side that's kind of like, fuck it. Let, let go of shit. Like, just live life and try to just do the best that you can. So it is funny. It's like every day I, like, look here, and then I look here, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I have choices. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I love I love the title of your new album, Always Tomorrow, because it, it there is some encouragement just in that phrase. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to I wanted to kind of like there's a lyric in a song on the album called Master of My Own Mind. And the lyric is for me, there's always tomorrow, even when I'm drowning in my sorrows. And it's like there is that idea that no matter how low we get, we do always have a chance to do things differently. And I mean, honestly, I think about how, you know, there's like that trending thing on Instagram right now, like until tomorrow where people are posting like old photos of themselves. And I just keep thinking about how this, I wrote this fucking album with this title that's like always tomorrow and about this idea of acceptance. And then this shit happened in the world. And the New York Times, like that article that was written about me talks a lot about how I was sort of like weirdly prophesizing things like years ago and I'm like truly like am I just like the craziest psychic that's ever lived we're we're gonna have to keep in touch with you babe so let's talk about some of those things from New York Times so right before in you you released a track with the lyric what a year this day has been in 2012 yes and I mean don't we all feel like that right now I just tweeted the other day I was like to quote myself (laughs) What a year this day has been and what a day this year has been because it's just like, I mean, I don't, I can't really sum it up any better than that. And then in 2016, right before the whole Me Too thing took off, you actually were involved in some of the sexual misconduct in your industry. I mean, you Mm -hmm. weren't doing it, but you were, tell us a little bit about that because as you know, this show is about relationships and I want to talk about your current relationship, your relationship with Bob, but let's talk about what happened back in 2016 when you spoke out with some of the other brave women in the music industry about what the fuck was going on. Well, so in 2016, a peer of mine named Amber Kaufman, she tweeted about a publicist that we had both worked with and just sort of exposed some of his skeletons in the closet. And I just backed her up because I had had experiences with this man and I had heard so many stories. And, you know, I think at the time, I didn't really realize that just supporting a fellow female peer in the music industry would like turn into this huge thing. But I remember waking up the following morning, and there was like, just like every music news source was talking about it. And then like a couple months later, I was asked to go out on the Daily Show with Trevor Noah and talk about sexism in the music industry. And 
I think maybe like a year later, the the Weinstein shit happened and it was like this whole movement started. And um, again, like I didn't expect, I didn't really expect, and that maybe that's like fucked up when you think about it, that I didn't think that like, I was sort of like, oh, my voice isn't going to like start something. I'm just going to support somebody. And then the following day, it was like this huge story blew up. So it's interesting to people that feel like they, maybe their voice doesn't matter. Um, your voice does matter. Like I, I proved that Amber and I proved that by just opening our mouths and talking about something like it ignited a big fire. And I think that since then I've seen a lot of change in the industry. Um, you know, there's bad people that exist everywhere, but I feel like people are holding each other a lot more accountable now than, than then. Was there any negative blowback? I mean, we hear so much about how positive it was, but were you concerned or did you, did any of your reps go, oh, this is not a good idea. You're going to get blackballed. Um, not really. I mean, I think, I think it happened so fast that nobody in my team was really able to even be like, oh, how do we want to handle this? Because right. it was like, I just kind of went off on Twitter. There and she the goes again. <laughs> yeah, it was just kind of like the next day they were like, oh, okay, well, this is a thing now. I mean, I definitely did get some shit from people that were like, well, why didn't you say something sooner? Just the typical shit. Right. Like, right. Why don't people talk about this sooner? And when I went on um, The Daily Show, Trevor asked me that question, like, what do you say to people that ask that question? And it's like, it's really scary to, to open your mouth at all. So especially when something traumatizing happens to you like that, like it, it does not surprise me at all that there are so many women and men that hold on to their stories for years and years because it's like, it also takes you a really long time to process shit like yeah, that. And once right. you've processed it, you kind of then have to be like, okay, well, where does this go? Boyfriend. Mm -hmm. The song and the boyfriend. <laughs> Tell us about them. <laughs> well, Boyfriend, the song is written about somebody that I'm no longer with. And I'm actually single now for the first time in like, a very, very long time. I'm usually a, um, I'm usually a person that like gets in, I'll like meet somebody. And then before I know it, we're like obsessed with each other and we're together and we'll like have this really intense thing. And then before I know it, it's kind of like, uh, okay, this isn't really working out. And now I'm just like, just full single lady. I'm just like, I'm just embracing it. It's, I was in a really long-term relationship for about 10 years that was very on and off and, and toxic in a lot of ways. Um, and after that relationship, I just sort of decided like, I, you know, I'm in my thirties now, like I'm not in a super rush to have kids or settle down. Like I have my career that I really care about and love. And, um, you know, I just sort of decided that I wanted to kind of like take my time and, and just date. So that's kind of what I've been doing. I mean, not currently. I can't really right. date in quarantine. I'm like, I have like one one guy that is in my life who we were like joking, like, well, should you just move in during quarantine? I'm like, that's a horrible idea. That's a terror. That's like the, the the easiest way to like ruin something is by just being like, come on in, right. zero and, to hundred. Let's get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just like, no, I, this will be over at some point, and then we can explore things down the line, but. I actually love being single. I really do. It's like, it's so nice to just to like set my own schedule, do my own thing. And like, it's really sort of helped me develop and nurture a relationship with myself that I wasn't really able to do when I was in such a long-term relationship. Yeah, that is a long-term relationship for 
for that age period. I mean, that's yeah. you guys grew up together basically. Yep. And he was yeah, he's a sure. musician as well. So Yes, yes. Yeah, no, this is this is definitely gonna be an interesting time for you. <laughs> and especially now, but I do. I think this gives us an opportunity to kind of examine ourselves without producing yeah. too much anxiety because I know that does. Yeah, it, but, it, but, yeah. And then when this is over, I'm so interested to see how people start like crawling out from their caves and what's going to happen right? to restaurants and hotels and beaches. You're listening to the iHeart Original Podcast, All's Fair with Laura Wasser. And I'm Laura. And today we're speaking about relationships and music with the prolific indie rocker songwriter Bethany Cosentino. She's one half of the duo Best Coast, who just released the new album, Always Tomorrow. And they're also the writer-producer-musicians who wrote and performed the All's Fair theme song, Heaven Sent, from their third studio album, California Night. Also apropos. Bethany, as you now know, Johnny and I do this show together, and you and Bob Bruno met when you were around the same age that I was when I met Johnny, because I think you said you were 17, and Johnny mm-hmm. and I were in our teens, we were in high school. They say one shouldn't mix business with friendship, but what's your secret to working successfully with a friend who you've known for almost half your life? I think for Bob and I, you know, it's really funny because given that we are this duo and that, you know, he is, he's so funny because we could not be different. Like we are the most different people. Like I am very loud and I'm very like energetic and personable. And I'm like out here sort of doing all of these things. And Bob is very quiet and he like, he's reserved. He likes to just do his job, which is, you know, go to the studio, record the songs, play live. He's not, I've always been sort of, obviously like there's only one front woman of the band and that's me, but I've always sort of been the personality, the spokesperson, the person that sort of steps out and does all the interviews and all the press. And and he's totally fine with that. Like he's not, he doesn't want any of the attention that I get. He literally tells me all the time. He's like, I don't know how you do it, but thanks for doing it. And I'm like, yeah, sure. It's fine. That's probably the like child actor in me that's just out here like, here I am, you know, and the only child too, probably like really made me a performative person. But um, I think the fact that we, we have boundaries with each other and we also just like, we're close. And I know that our, our companionship and our friendship and our collaborative um, work together, like it exists, but we don't, we don't really like see each other outside of work stuff. You right. know, we don't, we don't really we don't really like socialize. Yeah, we don't because it's like we know that we just have this bond, this like intrinsic thing that just exists between us. And it's so funny because whenever, you know, I run the Best Coast social media stuff and whenever I go on to do like an Instagram live or anything, people are like, where's Bob? I'm like, Bob and I don't live together. We don't. <laughs> right. We're not, we're not John and fucking tw- Yoko. Okay. Yeah, like we're not together 24 hours a day. And I think a lot of times, especially like in bands, people sort of, they they overdo it. You know, I have friends that are in bands that like live with their bandmates. I'm like, how do you not murder each other? Yeah. Like, it, and a lot of all- times they do completely <laughs> burn out. I mean, from yeah, all of that it's interaction. Like, it's just like a re- any other relationship. Like you're never, I mean, even, I can't speak to this obviously because I've never been married, but it's like, I would imagine me as a person, even if I, you know, do get married, like I'm still going to need sp- fucking space. I've lived with boyfriends before and I've had to be like, you go do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. Like I'm very much a person that needs my space. And Bob and I have that sort of dynamic where it's just like, you do your thing. I do my thing. I let you do your thing. You let me do my thing. We meet in the middle when we need to. And otherwise we just 
text about Tiger King and that's it. <laughs> Are you guys, <laughs> did, were you guys singing about each other in Heaven Sent, do you think? Is that about your relationship? <laughs> no, that was about, that song was about a person that I was with at the time. But it's funny, you know, Bob and I have always like, we've just always been, we've always like had this type of friendship that we almost sort of like finish each other's sentences and we're always kind of like on this same psychic wavelength where, where I'll have an idea and he'll be like, that's exactly what I was thinking. So I do think that our connection is very like cosmic in a way. And people have definitely before been like, oh, there's such a like, I can just see the love between you guys. I hope one day you date. And it's like, no fucking way. Like no offense to Bob, but like, and Bob would say the same exact thing about me. It's like, there's no sexual feelings, romantic feelings about Bob at all. He's like my older brother. Right. <laughs> like, like, no, no, no. It's interesting. The producer, John Meldel Johnson, which I guess he collaborated with you guys on Always Tomorrow. He said that you guys have an easy coexistence and it's almost like Bethany and Bob are two halves of one person in the studio. In the studio, he said in a phone interview. I mean, do you think... Do you think that's true? Like, like a brother, like a really good friend. He's the yin, you're the yang, or vice versa, whatever. But I think that does make for a really good and often healthy working relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we also just really have a, again, sort of like an unspoken respect for one another that we are able to just sort of like let the other person do what they're good at. And then that's pretty much that's that's pretty much it you know like and especially as a as a musician and as a as an artist and as a person in a public sort of spotlight like the fact that i get to do it with a person who doesn't have any sort of like jealousy or ego about me sort of being the person that i mean that's i've done mag huge. i've done magazine covers of alone i've done so many in i mean most of the interviews like pretty much everything i do is almost like standalone and he's never once been like what the fuck? Like, he's truly just like, I don't want to do it. You do it. Like, right. And, and, but you know, and again, like he has his role where if I ever get asked like, oh, do you want to do something talking about guitar pedals? I'm like, no, Bob, won't. Bob will do that. Like right. I sort of like take things and hand them off to him. And we just have a really special friendship where I think we just have learned over the years, um, again, just how to respect each other's space. And I think that's the important, the most important part of any relationship is just giving somebody space and not like trampling all over them. You guys both write though, correct? Or do only well, you write? Well, I know so I, I read something about him sending you some tracks, which he doesn't usually do. Tell us about yeah. that. And tell us like we're morons because I don't know. I know for <laughs> myself, but also a lot of our listeners are not as uh, fluent in music speak. So tell us. Well, so on this album on Always Tomorrow, um, I was going through a really like long process of I was in a really deep depression and I was having a lot of art, uh, writer's block and I reached out to Bob and I was like, hey, I know I've never asked you to do this before, but would you take a try at writing some music and sending it to me so that I can then sit with it and try to write on top of it? And he did that and he sent me a couple of songs, four of them ended up on the album. And But aside from that, like up until that point, I had always written everything and then sent it to him and then he had then put his stuff on top of it. Like he'll write his guitar parts, his bass parts. A lot of times he comes up with like the drum beats and sometimes recorded the drums himself. So it was almost like I would create a blueprint and then I would send it to him and he would just sort of like sprinkle all his stuff on it. So up until this album, that's how it always worked. And then 
with this record um, for the tracks that ended up on the record sort of took, you know, took a took shape in a different way. Is is he in a romantic relationship? He is not. Bob okay. is kind of like a Bob is like a, a walrus. <laughs> he's probably like the ultimate bachelor, honestly. Right. He's just like he's living the dream. He like has his own house. He like it's filled with guitar pedals, it's filled with music equipment, records, like weird Japanese horror bootlegs. He's that Japanese. He's, with. he's um he's half Chinese. Okay. But he's obsessed with like Japanese like horror films. So he's no of, like, no Japanese, but he's half Chinese, but he's obsessed with Japanese art and stuff, horror yeah. and stuff like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <it>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Tell us a little bit, because I know people are going to want to hear about it, about Bethany Livestream, Beth Line Livestream. It's a weekly radio call-in on YouTube, yes? Yeah, so it's like a weekly radio show that I'm doing on YouTube where basically I, it's audio only, um, and I just kind of like sit here in my kitchen where I'm talking to you guys, and I have like a topic, I'll talk about something, and then I have a guest call-in or we'll talk about this topic together and then we hang up and then I open the call line and then people can call me and ask me questions. And it's been like really, really fun to do because one of my favorite TV shows is Frasier. And I always like, I also am obsessed with therapy. So I've always like kind of wanted to have some sort of like thing where I could like give advice and talk to people. So it's been a really fun way for me to stay engaged and also to like keep myself busy because it's a fun thing to like plan and then and then um, execute during the week and just a really like cool thing to do during this time and when people's it's really sweet like when people's calls are answered they're like oh my god hello and I'm <laughs> like you. yeah hi it's me like what's going on <laughs> so it's really fun are do you what do you think of therapy do you do therapy yourself I'm obsessed with therapy. I like I I really wish that therapy was like mandatory. Accessible. Yeah, honestly <laughs> wish it was mandatory. And I just wish that it was agree. like accessible to everybody because it's just I think a lot of, it's funny I was just talking to a friend on the phone the other day who inquired about doing therapy for the first time he reached out to me and he knows that I'm like this big therapy advocate. So he came to me and was like, "You know, well, what do you think?" And I was like, "Honestly, there's not a person in the world who hasn't benefited from therapy. Like, it's not like you go to therapy and then all of a sudden you're like, I'm worse than I was before. It's right. like you learn shit about yourself and you also learn shit about life that I think is so, um, it's just so cool and special. And um, I wish that it didn't have sort of a the, like stigma that it has behind it. Because I think when people, when people hear that you're in therapy, they're like, oh, like, you must be crazy. It's like no, you I'm still just, think that. I mean, I feel like that's we've moved away from that. But no, maybe I I'm, do. I do think we have moved away from that for a, a, a lot. Like I really do at, think, at that, least in our bubble of like yes, California, totally, North, totally, Chicago, totally, right. in sort of like our our bubble. You're very right, but I definitely do think that there are still a lot of people that think of therapy as being this sort of like really intense or scary thing, and they think of mental illness in this like one specific way where you're just like you know, in a straight jacket, like locked in a room. Right. And it's like, that's not what it's like. Like there are so many people that struggle with anxiety and depression that, that don't um, look the way it's portrayed in movies and like Sylvia Plath novels, you right. know? Right. right. Totally. My cat is also going crazy. He's just, my cat like wants to be a guest on your podcast too. He's just screaming. Let's see him. <laughs> that's, where is here, he? I'll show you. Come here, snacks. 
Come here, man. Oh, I heard about Snacks. Oh, yeah. He's famous. <laughs> yes. He's a famous internet cat. Here he is. Yes. Say hi. Hi, Snacks. Hello there, Snacks. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we go to the interrogatories, I just have to ask a couple questions. So Ms. Josie is the dog and Mr. Yeah. Snacks is the cat. Uh-huh. Backstory on those names? <laughs> so Snacks, I got Snacks, Snacks is 12, and I got him like right around the time that I was starting Best Coast. I was obsessed with Garfield at the time, and I just wanted like a big, fat, lazy, tabby cat. And I don't really know why I named him Snacks, but I was just like, it seemed like a really good fitting name for like a fat yellow cat. Right. And um, I would say so. Yeah. And and I really, again, with my like psychic energy, I named him that and he is now just like, he's the, the most annoying, like hungry cat in the world. Like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like 9am and 6pm. That's when he, he gets fed. 9am on the dot. This fool is like at my door screaming to be fed. And then at 6pm, he's like sitting on my coffee table, knocking shit down like begging for food. And I'm just like, I fucked myself by naming this cat mm. Snacks because now he's just addicted. He has like an like severe <laughs> eating issue. If it's any consolation, he probably would have been that way anyway. My dog is like that. He's nine and we just got a new puppy who's uh-huh. only eight weeks. And already both of them are now like coming to stare. It's 6 a.m. because that's what yeah. time we get up here. 6 yeah. a.m. and 5 p.m. and they uh, and they know they just know oh. it's the time yeah, and they just, just start <laughs> following me around and whining throughout the entire house and like yeah. everybody in my household's like can we just feed them at 4:15 and I'm like no we're waiting <laughs> no, until yeah. five they need to wait Have to keep them on a schedule yeah yes yeah so so that's snacks and then Josie um I named Josie after the Blink 182 song. I right. was I adopted her from a shelter in um, or from a rescue organization out in Orange County, and I was driving to pick her up, and I passed the sign for San Diego. And I, I'm a you know Blink was like my favorite band growing up. I love Blink 182, and I was just like, oh, maybe I'll name her Josie. And then Mark Hoppus and I are friends, and I told Mark that I named her. Josie, and then Mark told me that the song Josie is actually named after a dog named Josie. Yes. So Travis like, oh. is an old old friend of mine, so that, oh, I, cool. I that blink, yes. All right, so I know you've got Trust No One tattooed on the one arm, <laughs> on the other hand, and on the other, Let It Go and Surrender, and I swear everybody on our show in, so we need you to surrender. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I'm ready. Lay it on me. Okay. So which relationship in your life has had the most profound impact, would you say? Hmm. Um, honestly, are we talking like romantic relationship or like any relationship? Any. Could be mom, whatever. Yeah. My, I have a best friend named Jessica who has been my best friend since I was 11 years old and she's still my best friend. And as an only child, she's the closest thing I've ever had to a sister. And she's like really, really, really been there for me through thick and thin and we had periods in high school where we would sort of like get into fights and we took some time off, but we've always come back together. She's literally like, she's family. I mean, she's the person that I call the, the, the second something goes wrong. She's the person that I pick up the phone and call. And she's just taught me so much about unconditional love. She's just the greatest person in my life. And I love her dearly. And I know that I'll have her forever. Um, so yeah, she's really like my sister. Are you a reader? Do you read? I do, yeah. Okay, so there's this book, and I can't vouch for it because I think I'm only about halfway through it right now, but it's called In Five Years. Uh-huh. And the the protagonist in it, it's written from her perspective, but she has that best friend. 
And oh, cool. I, it's in five years, and that Bella is your Jessica, or maybe I, I don't know which one you are, but you might want to read it. And like <laughs> I said, I have a feeling something bad's about to happen, uh-oh. but they are totally like the, all those words you just said, like she's my family, she's my person, whatever. That's exactly when, because I usually wake up at four and read for a little bit and then go back to bed. Yeah, have fun, uh-huh. perimenopause in 20 years. But anyway, so um, read that book in five okay. years. I mean, okay. we'll see what happens to them. Next, okay. next interrogatory, Bethany. What is your favorite love song? It's definitely God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. I like nice. listen to that. I listen to that song and I'm just like, I just can't imagine what it would feel like to have a song like that written about you. Like it's just, it's like gut wrenching how beautiful it is. Is it? You are such a California girl. Like when I, I think really of am. that song, I see the lighting that was in your video, and there was also a photo taken in one of the interviews. Maybe it was the New York Times one of you standing in front of a house and that light, that like golden California yeah. light, that's the light that I will always think of when I think of you and that when I think of that song, God only knows. Thank God you. Only yeah. Knows. yeah, no, right. it's, it's, so, it's just, yeah, it's gorgeous. What is the one piece of advice that you'd share with your 20-something-year-old self if you could go back in time and send yourself a message? Um, probably let it go. I would probably <laughs> tell myself like, let shit go. Cause I think I struggled really intensely in my twenties with sort of this idea that like every feeling I felt was permanent. I didn't realize that like feelings were just feelings. It was just so like, if I woke up on a certain day and I was dealing with anxiety or depression or whatever, like outside shit, it was just like, this is what life is going to look like forever. And so I think now that I am in a place of sort of realizing that like, you know, thoughts are just feelings, feelings are just feelings. Like you're, you're, all you can do is, is all you can control is how you react to it. Like that's really, that concept has really changed my life. So definitely like let, learn to let shit go, which is fucking hard to do, but it's possible. Okay. I like that. And then finally, while we're all stuck here in our homes during this thing, feeling isolated, feeling a little bit antsy, feeling a little bit bored, not feeling particularly inspired or compelled to (laughs) write the next album or the next Shakespearean drama. Um, what rom-com could you watch on repeat? Or have you've, you been? You've got mail. <laughs> it was I, just on yesterday. I just like oh, was really? flipping through. Yes. I mean, it's probably on all the time, but yes. Awesome. I live for a Tom Hanks, um, Meg, Meg Ryan. Ryan. It, that chemistry is just the best. Yes. I Rom-coms are my favorite, are my favorite. So like Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail are just like the best movies ever. And You've Got Mail is one that I like, it's like ingrained in my brain, but every time I watch it, I'm just like, so good. I love it. I love it too. Love it. Bethany, you rocked it. Thank you for joining us today on All's Fair. Best Coast's latest album is streaming now on iHeartRadio and is available at iTunes and Apple Music. So please tell everyone where they can find you on social, Bethany, and also how we can call into Bethline, because I'm now I'm going to call. I'm not going to say who oh. I am. I'm just going to call in. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Instagram at best underscore coast. And then on Twitter, I'm just best coast one word. And then Bethline is Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Um, Central Time. And there's a link to where you can stream it on my Instagram and my Twitter. And then there's a phone number attached to that. I've got it here. 205-736-3201. Or you can email askbethline at gmail.com. That's true. You can also email me because I do a portion of the show at the beginning called Quick Cues, where I just answer like three random questions that I get online. So anyway, yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm literally just here in, the, in my little breakfast nook 
pretty much every day if you need me. All right. If we, <laughs> if we don't call in tomorrow, we'll call next Wednesday. Thank you so much for being here, lady. You are awesome. Thank you. Thank you for giving yes. us our theme song. And um, tell Bob we said hi. I will. Thank you guys so much. All right. All right. Bye, Bye Bethany. Thanks so much. Sure. She's awesome. Such a California girl. I really do dig her. love the music. Really, I'm yes, happy that you totally. convinced me to have her on. Thank you. And I, uh, yeah, you're welcome. And I love the uh, way that she and Bob Bruno work together. You know, it, it, there's some elements of that that remind me of how you and I work together. Hmm. Boundaries. I thought the part about the not socializing was really good. I'd yes. like to implement that into our relationship. <laughs> Thanks for listening today, everybody. <laughs> Let us know what you think about today's show and rate us at Apple Podcasts. These are some strange days, but staying connected helps us pass the time and keeps us from feeling isolated. Um, We'll be back next week. See you next Tuesday. Big kiss, everyone.